Hey everyone, we want to welcome you to the Floater Founder Podcast. This is a Toronto-based podcast featuring local founders across all markets. We are your hosts, Samantha Lloyd and Lyson Casey. We are going to be bringing you interviews with exciting and hardworking founders. They will be sharing their experience creating and leading a company. Thanks for listening. Hi everyone, you're here with Floater Founder. I'm your host, Samantha Lloyd, here as always with my co-host, Lyson Casey. Hello everyone. Today we have Chanel McFarlane, the founder and editor-in-chief of Do Well, Dress Well, as well as a TEDx speaker, writer, award-winning brand strategist, and so much more. Um, so welcome. Thanks for having me. Uh, we're really excited to have you here. Um, so first, let's start. What is Do Well, Dress Well? What is Do Well, Dress Well? You know, I've had probably so many people ask me that question now, and still I say that each time I talk about it, I have a different definition <laughs> because it's evolved so much since I launched it. But Really, it is a passion project at its heart, um, and it's something that started because I realized that I needed to create this career platform that I wished existed when I was in school. So that's really what it is at its core. It's a career platform to provide content and resources and opportunity to help people build remarkable careers and personal brands. And so I do that through uh, blogging, so content, and that's really how it started. And then over time, it evolved into adding a nonprofit arm where really I realized, okay, while I'm spending so much time writing about networking and personal branding and professional development, but what if people don't necessarily have the funds to attend networking events and conferences? Like they're pretty expensive, right? So added on that nonprofit arm uh, in 2018, and that's been great to be able to provide free and discounted tickets uh, to women that are, want to attend networking events and conferences in Toronto. So that's been really nice to add on as well. Yeah, I love that. That's awesome. Definitely in Toronto, the networking events, it can really add up, especially yeah. like you want to dress nice to them. You might want to print business cards. Like Absolutely. You got to travel sometimes yeah. like you're expenses whatever it is so just trying to help uh, make that a little bit easier yeah I love that that's great um, what, what's one of the most important things that people need to remember whenever they're going to a networking event or, or they're just generally networking with people what's one very important thing to keep in mind I would say going there is you. I think especially with all these different events and online, like we're we're so obsessed with creating these personas and then we go into these networking events with that persona and you're trying to be someone that you're not. And I think that comes across as being really obvious, um, but you also don't make really genuine connections. And so I just really encourage people to be as genuine and as authentic as possible. Um, talk to people about their day. Talk to people what they're passionate about. Don't just go and ask someone like, oh, what do you do? It's better to ask like, what are you passionate about and it's so nice to see how people actually light up when you ask them that question and so that's really what I would say is the main thing just going there with the right mindset being as authentic as possible and um in the early days what was kind of like the first content pieces you started with like what kind of inspired all this yeah I think for me it was leaving school and realizing like I still had so much to learn and I spent a lot of time researching and going on different blogs and sites and yeah I was able to find some helpful resources but I also wanted to write from my own perspective um, I wanted to be a little bit more genuine in the way that I was writing but also being a woman of color I also wanted to have that representation which I couldn't find so those are two things that really spurred me to start Do Well Dress Well um, so in terms of the content pieces that I started with I started with a lot of LinkedIn pieces, if I recall correctly. That's all the way back in 2016. Um, but I started off with like, what should you think about when you're creating a LinkedIn profile? What are some things you shouldn't do when you're trying to connect with someone? And really sort of basic high level content pieces, I would say, but really trying to focus on evergreen content. So now I don't publish as much, but that's because in the beginning, 
I spent a lot of time writing evergreen pieces so that they're always relevant. So it doesn't matter if you see that now or in two years, it's going to be something that's relevant to you and your personal brand. Um, when you first started uh, Do Well, Dress Well, um, were there any barriers that you encountered? And how did you kind of break through those? As soon as you thought of the idea where you're like, all right, I'm going to do this right away, or did it take a long time? <laughs> I wish. Oh, my gosh. So I came up with the initial idea two years before I actually launched it. And because I was so nervous, I sat on that idea for two years. So I had the idea and then sat on it for a bit. Then I'm like, okay, well, let me go buy the domain so that no one takes the name Dual Dresswell. Still sat on it for a little while and then eventually started in 2016. So yeah, it was, I think my biggest barrier was definitely myself. I felt really nervous about putting this idea into the world. It just felt very vulnerable. And because I didn't know anybody personally that had done something like that before, I just came up with every single excuse not to start. I'm like, oh, I'm not ready. Oh no, my family's gonna think it's weird. And oh, my friends are like all these different excuses. And so, yeah, it took two and a half years for me to get over myself and be like, okay, you know what? It's actually time to hit publish on this thing. Um, and then from there, it got, it definitely got easier. That's awesome. Yeah, it's always, um, even like sharing anything that you do can feel so awkward, like putting it yeah. out to family and friends, but they end up being like some of your biggest supporters. Exactly. I think it definitely took some time in the beginning. Like I remember when I first like came up with my Facebook post to announce like my friends and family, like, hey, I like created this blog and I maybe have like two likes on it. Everyone's like, what are you spending your time on? What is this thing? Um, and sometimes I was like, are you getting paid for this? I'm like, no, I'm not yet. Uh, so yeah, it definitely took some time in the beginning for people to realize I was serious about this um, but now definitely I have the support yeah that's awesome that's great to hear <laughs> cool and uh, how do you deal with uh, people that are not as supportive in your life about what you're doing if you've encountered that yeah absolutely you know it's kind of sad but interesting at the same time is that I can definitely say that the people that I have in my circle has definitely shrinked a bit since starting and I don't know if that's necessarily related to that but I think that me making that really deliberate decision to what I would consider bettering myself. I really want to build my brand, build my career, start speaking, do all these different things. And not everybody was okay with that. In the beginning, yeah, that was really, really hard to deal with. And I'm like, well, is this worth it? Me spending like my spare time on this blog and not going out as much, and like my friends getting upset or like my family not understanding, is this worth it? Um, and so, yeah, I definitely had to make some tough decisions about uh, the people that I surrounded myself with and making sure that they were actually supportive and genuinely supportive. Um, but I think... Again, it's it's tough where not everybody will understand it, but I think for you, if you're someone that's coming up with this idea, not everybody supports, like think about the reasons why, right? And maybe it's just, they're not the people that you need to have around you. Yeah, right? for sure. And you mentioned speaking and uh, I know you've done a couple uh, TEDx, maybe a few. Uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. On uh, the TEDx circuit. Do you want to talk about how you got into that? Yeah, it, honestly, by accident. <laughs> Never, ever imagined becoming a public speaker. And that really started for me blogging consistently, sharing my story. And eventually I just got requests to come and speak. And I was like, uh, me? No, I don't think so. I'm a complete introvert. This is why I blog, so I can hide behind my screen. And when I got the first request, I remember I was so nervous. I went to my husband. I'm like, I, I don't think I'm going to say yes to this. Like, no, no way. I'm an introvert. This is not happening. And I, you know what, I, I just decided that I was going to say yes, even though I was terrified. And when I think back to that first speaking engagement, I was so nervous. Like my hands were sweating. I was shaking and it made my husband come with me. He's like, are you okay? Like, are you going to be okay? I'm like, I, I think so. I think so. Now it's been just over three years and I definitely feel a lot better. Um, and it's been really cool to yes, now have done a TED talk, which I did recently. And 
Yeah, that was a really incredible experience to do just because, again, I was someone that considered myself an introvert. I did not like public speaking. I don't have any public speaking training or background. And it really just came from me sharing my story through like the written word and blogging and then just saying yes to the different speaking engagements that came my way and just learning and getting better from there. Do you have any advice for any other introverts out there that want to do speaking? Yeah, I would stay. I would say start small and find any opportunity to speak, like even if it's at work, right? like standing up and speaking at a meeting. Maybe you have a group at work that you could speak for, like finding those local small opportunities to start off with. You're not going to be incredible for your first time, but it's about saying yes and consistently getting better. I think another thing with speaking is that for a lot of us, we or even for introverts, we th- want to get the courage before we start, but the courage comes after you start. And that's one thing that has definitely been true for me. And so I would say it's about feeling that fear and doing it anyways, and just finding small opportunities to grow and get better. And then over time, you'll find like, you know what, like, I actually feel good. I feel confident. I actually feel courageous. So that's awesome. And it, I definitely think that like everyone's their own hardest critic. So yeah. when you're presenting, you're never at all as bad as you think you are. Like it, everyone who watches you is like, wow, I want to speak like that. Exactly. Exactly. For sure. To talk more about uh, conferences, of course, you started Confidence Through Conferences. Um, do you want to talk about that initiative as well? Sure. Um, yeah. So I, I started that after I was attending a conference in New York and I decided that I would cover this on Instagram. And really that was just because I was really excited to be there. I'm like, maybe my followers would think so as well. So I started sharing some Instagram stories and really just sharing a recap of everything that I was experiencing. And I received so many messages from people all over saying, hey, like I really love this coverage, this is so great. I would love to attend, but I'd never be able to afford it. And I remember just like being on that plane ride, going back home, and that just wouldn't leave my mind. I'm like, this is crazy. Like, why can't people or most people afford to attend conferences? And it's because they are just so expensive. And when you have all these other living expenses and bills to pay, it's really hard to say, well, you know what? I'm not going to buy like groceries this week because I'm going to attend this conference. Like, why should you have to pick between the two? So I started to really think about what I could do to help that because I said, well, I'm writing all these articles on like why networking is so important. But if my readers can't even afford to go, then there's a bit of a disconnect there. So I started speaking to a number of different community groups and conference organizers, a number of different people that I have in my network to see what would be sort of an MVP solution uh, to tackle this. And thankfully, I was able to get a number of different community organizers and conferences on board that either, again, provide uh, free tickets or discounted tickets. And that has been great. I mean, over the last uh, year and a half, we've been able to give, I believe it's over 35 tickets now. Now that we're at and collectively being able to save thousands of dollars and for me it cost me nothing so that that I think has been the coolest part is it cost me nothing just that genuine passion to want to be able to help others and get them in these spaces and these rooms um, and just seeing how that's been able to go a long way like I've had someone that I gave a free conference ticket to they went to a conference pitched their business and won a five thousand dollar grant so I was like, wow, this is super cool. And again, that cost me nothing. The ticket cost nothing. And they were able to then get money that they can invest in their business. So that for me, that's why I do it. That's a huge impact. That's really cool. What advice do you have for people who are working on their personal brand? Like, how can you make sure that you have a personal brand that puts your best foot forward? So there's there's two things. So first, I would say, you know, I think 
personal branding, obviously such a trendy topic. Like you search that online, there's so many different articles that are going to come up. And so it's really become this watered down thing. But I think at its core, it's really important to actually be doing the work to support that brand. I think we think of a personal brand as like you set up an Instagram account and you have a personal brand. That is not the case. You actually have to have the work and that pillar to back it up. So I always recommend like what is number one, like what's your expertise? What's the work that supports your personal brand? Why should people believe in you, trust you, buy from you, whatever it is? But then also having a content pillar that supports that brand. That could be a blog. Like in my case, it was a blog. I started Dual Dress Well, and that's really the foundation of the brand that's evolved now. Uh, but some people, again, have a podcast like you two. Uh, some people have a YouTube channel, whatever it is. But what's that pillar where you can have your content and then distribute that across different channels? And people know you for that. That's how you build their trust. That's how you build a connection. So those are, those are the things that I would say are key to having a really sustainable personal brand. And then the consistency. Right. Because, again, we always hear about personal brands, start a personal brand. But are you actually consistent with that, um, with your messaging and your values? Um, are you, for example, for me, I, I know that I have really core values in terms of um, being genuine, being able to give back and having that translate across all the different things that I do. Um, also, diversity and representation, that's a core value for me. So I know that, again, I want to be able to get people in, in rooms and spaces. That's what drives me for confidence through conferences, but also making sure that translates with the things that I choose to participate in. Is there representation? Is there diversity? What can I do to advance that? So making sure that your values actually match up with your actions. I think that's a core part of personal branding that a lot of us miss. I guess to then kind of talk about um, more about like starting this company in Toronto. How has that been, especially with regards to diversity? Do you find that conferences have enough diversity? What can we do to improve that? Things like that. I expect a little more from Toronto because we really lead with this diversity narrative. So I think I'm a lot harder on Toronto. Uh, That said, I'd love to see other cities doing better as well. I think we have a long way to go. I think it's tough because, yes, we live in Toronto and we pride ourselves as being this super diverse city. But that's not reflected on our stages. That's not reflected in the representation that we see in people that are starting businesses. And there's a number of things that are um, the barriers to that. What I'm personally trying to tackle, I mean, I'm, I'm one of those people that try not to criticize and try to contribute to the solution. So one thing that I think I'm trying to contribute to is the stages part. That's what I can do for now. And so I think it's really about, yes, creating spaces and speaking up and trying to do what I can to recommend other people to speak on stages. I have a lot of conference organizers and event organizers that come to me and say, hey, do you know someone that'd be really great to speak at this event? And that makes me feel great because I'm in a position to then put up other women of color, people of color from other backgrounds that can go speak at these events. On the other side of it, it's also about giving people the confidence to actually become a public speaker. And so that's what I do now with the nonprofit organization in Toronto called Women in Color. We have a public speaking boot camp that we lead. It's a two-day intensive. And that has been so great to just see people that have these really great backgrounds, but just felt really nervous to get up on stage because they don't really see people that look like them. Like that representation is so important. And so really what we try to tackle in that weekend is just showing them that, yes, you have the expertise. Here are the skills and the resources that you need to put yourself out there as a public speaker. And that's been really nice to have now. We've launched that uh, November of 2018. We've now had two boot camps and now we've launched the careers of 60 plus Toronto and also also out of Toronto as well um, and having them launch their public speaking careers some people have been on TV already on panels and conferences and so that's been nice to play a role in that 
that said, we have a long way to go. Yeah, but that's <laughs> right? great. Yeah, but I it's, love that. it's about making those steps to make a bit of a difference, but also encouraging other people to do what they can um, to make a difference as well. Uh, what are some things that other people can do uh, to kind of balance the playing field? Yeah, I would say it's really about also recognizing the privileges and the opportunities that you have and taking a moment that when you're in a room or at a table, like looking at, yes, who's there, but who's not there, right? And that costs nothing to do. If you find that you're at a conference and everybody looks like you, like that, that's a bit of an issue. And who do you know in your network that you could recommend to be there? Um, do you know the organizers that you could maybe send an email to or speak to? Uh, how could you encourage others? Could you help to buy a conference ticket for someone so that they can go sponsor them. So there's there's little things that you can do, of course, depending on your budget and how you're able to contribute. But I think it's about just being aware and speaking up. And then if you can, you could also make a financial investment as well. Um, what's your favorite and least favorite thing about running your blog? Ooh, um, favorite thing is being able to have a creative outlet. I mean, again, I, I work a full-time nine-to-five job. And so to be able to have this creative outlet outside of work to share my story and connect with people has been really, really incredible. And whenever I can, I try to also meet people offline. And that to me has been really, really nice. Um, also, just seeing my own personal growth. I mean, again, when I started, I, I was such an introvert. I, I was so different when I started. And to be able to look back now, three and a half years later, and be like, wow, I've been able to build this blog. I've been able to build a speaking career. I've been able to be consistent with this because a lot of times I've had started things in the past and may not have necessarily continued with it. So those achievements have been really great. Uh, the hardest thing... I would say it's the it's the balance with the with the full time job, right? And I feel like that's definitely a challenge for anyone. I'm sure with you with the with the podcast, but yeah, it, it, it's definitely finding the balance. Like when I had to have a really long and tough day at work, and then to go home and be like, oh man, like I gotta write a blog post or I gotta do this. Like sometimes I am so tired, and it's it's really hard to sometimes find that energy to come home and then continue working. So. I would say about really finding the right structure and the right balance and the right schedule for me to maintain both is is hard. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I and mean, yeah, we agree. It's uh, it is difficult to balance, and um, yeah, like we said, we think uh, millennials are always kind of balancing like their passion projects yeah. or side hustles with a full time job. So. I, I don't have the secret to balance. <laughs> I, I, I wish that I does. did. <laughs> I've been trying to find it. I mean, some sometimes are are better than others. I think it's just also just being easy on yourself. I think yeah. sometimes we put a lot of pressure on ourselves to have this job and have this passion project. But if I come home and I'm so tired, I'm like, you know what? I'm just going to watch Netflix. I am not going to publish that blog post today. And I, I'm okay with that. Yeah. So I think it's about just being okay, having that balance. I'd never want to put something out that I'm not happy with. And it's better to be rested, right? Like I, I feel as though we're, we're not great. We're not putting our best foot forward if we're tired, we're exhausted, we're burnt out. So if that means an evening, I just got to, you know, Netflix and relax, I'm going to do that. And then I'll write the blog post tomorrow. <laughs> I think that's, that's a good balance. Yeah. Lesson. And um, how, so at the very beginning, did you kind of have like a long-term vision or goals for your blog and how has that changed or has it changed? It has definitely changed. I have gone back and forth so many different times on the direction for it. So in the beginning, when I started the blog, it was very much first person, just focused on me. I was the only writer. 
then I went through a phase where I'm like, you know what? I want it to be more of a business, more of an entity that exists outside of me. And so I'm going to have guest writers and I'm sort of going to refer to do I dress well in like a third person kind of thing. And then I've been leaning more towards going back to a personal blog. So I've, I've sort of flip flop back and forth. And really, it's just the connection side of things. Even though it's, it was great to have guest writers, I found those posts still never performed as well as when I would write them and just be like a personal story about, you know, experience that I went through or maybe a speaking engagement that I had or a failure that I had because I read a lot about those too. And so, yeah, I think I've gone back and forth on that vision. Also with the idea of monetizing it. I think that has been the biggest struggle. Again, monetizing a content platform, it is hard. Obviously, as we can see with all the different media platforms that have shut down in the last few years, it is really, really hard to do so. And I went back and forth about having ads on the site. Did that for a bit. Didn't really generate that much, to be really honest with you. And so now it is really a passion project. I don't necessarily care if I'm making a ton of money at the end of the month uh, from Dual Dress Well, but I enjoy it. I know that it's connecting with people. It's helping people. And so I've realized that you don't necessarily have to monetize everything. It's actually okay to have a hobby that does not bring in income. (laughs) And that's all right. And that's a narrative that I've had to really push back against because I think online and, you know, all these like marketing gurus are like, you got to monetize and hustle and make all this money. But I'm like, no, I am happy with this. I'm okay if I don't make a cent from it. So, yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. And there's like the old saying that if you do what you love, the money will come. The money will. Yeah, exactly. So I'm like, I'm just going to continue the way I'm going. Um, if I make money, that's great. If I don't, that's okay too. Yeah. That's cool. And, uh, and it's obviously worked out really well for you. Um, is there anything that if you went, if you could go back in time, knowing what you know today, is there anything that you would do differently? Um, yeah, I... I would definitely put a lot less pressure on myself to monetize. I think in the beginning when I first started, I got caught up in all the like business mantra hype and following like the Gary V's of the world. And I was like, oh my gosh, I'm doing all these things wrong. And how am I going to monetize? And I felt really, really bad about it. And I would go to networking events and say, hey, like I run this site. And even at the time when I was running it full time for a little bit and people were like, oh, well, how do you make money? That doesn't really make sense. Like, how is that sustainable? How is that your full time job? And I would get so much criticism. And then I'd go home and feel super embarrassed and I'm like okay like let me research how am I gonna get better at monetizing this thing so I think if I could go back I would just tell myself it's okay to not be monetizing in a way that everybody thinks I should be um just sort of stick on my own path because I think I I made a lot of mistakes with that in the beginning but if I could go back I I would put less pressure on myself about that and um where do you see it going now in the next year five years Yeah, I, well, as I said, I I think I'm going back to it being more of like a personal blog, just me writing about my career experiences, writing about my failures. Uh, And from there, we'll see. I think what I'm starting to do now is in the beginning, it was really focused on dual dressel being this platform for women or women identifying folks. That's really what the focus was. And now what's been really cool, especially as I've been doing a lot more speaking, is I'm finding my audience has become a lot more diverse. And so I really don't want to make it too niche where it just feels like it's just for one kind of person. I really just want to make the the platform more broad and make everybody feel as though dual dress well is a platform for them. So that's one thing. Um, and then seeing what else I can do from there. I mean, I've been toying with the idea of getting into podcasting, although again, finding the balance with a full-time job at a blog and then adding a podcast, I don't know what I'd be getting myself into. Um, so that's been an idea I've been toying with and just seeing how I can play with other forms of content. I've been blogging now for three and a half years. What else can I do? Can I 
do a podcast? Can I do some videos? And also exploring the ideas of curating like eBooks and courses and building out some resources about personal branding. So I have a few things up my sleeve. I love it. Yeah, that all sounds really exciting. <laughs> yeah. And um, at the beginning, how did you start growing your audience for Do Well, Dress Well? It started with just friends and family, just posting on Facebook. I had no audience at the beginning. So I, I started from zero and I just shared on, I think, my Facebook page and Twitter. And I was like, hey, started this blog. Ha <laughs> bye. <laughs> like, I was so nervous about sharing it. Um, but from there, I actually built out sort of a social media strategy for myself. So I built out accounts on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, um, and then later Pinterest. And really just genuinely started to connect with people, started following like-minded accounts and the people that follow those accounts and engaging with them on Instagram. So Instagram was really big for me in the beginning. Um, also Twitter. So those were the two where I really started to build my audience, but also taking the time to go to networking events and go to conferences and actually connect with people in person, creating business cards and sharing that with people. So I'd say, hey, like nice chatting with you. Check out my blog after. So those three things were really helpful for me. And then most recently, Pinterest has been a really incredible channel, especially for blog content. So I try to spend as much time as I can per month to update my Pinterest account, to create pins for my most recent blog post. And that's been great for driving traffic. I think that's a platform that a lot of us underestimate and we try to spend a lot of time on um, Instagram. So Pinterest has been great and also LinkedIn. Again, LinkedIn and business professionals and I am focusing on business content and personal branding content. So uh, genuinely uh, making connections on LinkedIn, sharing my content on there, republishing my content on there um, has been great too. That's really cool. Yeah, Pinterest isn't one I'd expect for blog content to be yeah, as strong, but that's really is, cool. Yeah, when I look now at my, it's been really interesting to just see how my traffic drivers have changed from the beginning when I started in February 2016 and it was primarily Instagram. And then now I think it's Pinterest and then a lot of organic traffic from Google and then Instagram is lower down. So it's interesting to see how it has shifted over time. Yeah. What, what's your opinion on like paid advertising or is it all kind of search engine optimization mm. and uh, social media? Yeah, so I've done a mix of both. So I have tested out paid ads. I tried out some paid ads on Instagram. They didn't work as well for me. And yes, I got a few new followers, but I didn't find that I really had the ROI that I was looking for. I'm not a big fan of Facebook ads, so I haven't really tried anything there. But SEO, 100%. So there's a plugin that I have on my blog. I believe it's Yoast SEO. I use WordPress. I believe that's it. And, and so that has been really great to ensure that after I write my blog post, ensuring I have the keywords, things are optimized. And I can see that that's helping because, again, when I go to my traffic, I can see, okay, well, my SEO is great because people are actually coming onto my site because of the keywords that I'm optimized for. So I would say definitely spending time on SEO is worth is worth it, um, especially if you if you have a blog. And um, that's helped to really uh, direct some new traffic to my site. That's awesome. I'm very biased, but I live and breathe by SEO. So by SEO, I yeah. Agree. <laughs> I agree. Everyone do it. <laughs> yeah, and there's plugins, again, to like yeah. make that easy. I think it's also worth understanding it at a basic level so that even beyond that, um, you know what you can do to better optimize your posts. And then going back and seeing how you can continue to optimize like really high-performing posts. I'm always going back and saying, okay, well, this one performed well. How can it be better? Um, yeah, that's definitely something that we shouldn't underestimate. Yeah, no, and um, we do that with the website too. We go back and we do the keywords uh, according to the research and then people are using different keywords so you just go back and do it again you exactly always change it which is what's so great about it yeah and another uh, tool that I like too around that is uh 
Google Trends. Like I love to see when people are searching particular things. Like for example, some of the key things that I focus on again are personal branding and career advice. So I love to see like one of the key times per year that people are searching for those things. So having those tools and those resources can also help you as yeah. well. Yeah, and there are like tons of free resources online. And Google Trends is free for anyone who yeah. hasn't used it. And it's yeah. uh, I love using that one. That one's fun. Uh, and and how has it been uh, building and maintaining your website? Did you outsource that, or is that something that you had to learn to do yourself? I learned myself. I had no experience in it, and I remember when I first bought the domain, like I had no idea how to set anything up and I think that's also why it took a long time for me to get started because I had to research so much on how to do the most simple things um, how to get my theme the right way and colors and all of that um, so definitely have taught myself in the beginning it was really discouraging because I remember when I would just encounter an issue and I'm like I can't figure this out um, but I think over time it's been nice to say like I built it all from scratch I have never outsourced it I've never paid for anyone to do anything um, thankfully my husband's pretty good at that too so if there's something that I can't figure out I'll bring it over to him like can you somehow figure out how to solve this for me uh, but yeah it's really had been self-taught in that area that's amazing so then for the rapid fire round um, I'll start by asking you a few questions and then pass it off to Liza so how do you start your day grabbing my phone I know I shouldn't but I do and I check my emails and um, what is your favorite spot in Toronto for getting work done, make lemonade. That's definitely my favorite co-working space. And when I just want to relax and chill, I love being by the water at Harborfront. And what's uh, your favorite street in Toronto? Oh, my favorite street. I'd have to say King West. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, what's your favorite or most used app on your phone? Oh, that is a good question. Probably Google Drive. What's the last book you read? I believe it was More Than Enough by Elaine Welteroth, who was the first black editor-in-chief of Teen Vogue. And do you have a favorite book? Ooh, I do. Um, So there's a book that I love called uh, Snowflower and the Secret Fan. And uh, yeah, that would be be my favorite one, Lisa C. And uh, what's the last TV show you binged? Ooh, the last TV show I binged was a series on Netflix called What If with Renee Zellweger. Really good. Who's the coolest person you've ever met? Well, recently I met Akon, um, so that was really cool, like during that, uh, during Collision when he was here in Toronto, so yeah, because he's doing some cool things, so. Yeah, he is. And uh, what's the best advice you've ever gotten? Do it for you and not them. So again, just being really focused on what you want to do, your own goals, and not getting caught up in expectations and what people sort of expect you to do, so sort of defining your own path and yeah, just doing things for yourself. And what was your first job? Oh, first job? (laughs) Um, It was actually at Giant Tiger as a cashier. (laughs) That's awesome. (laughs) Well, uh, thank you so much for coming in. Uh, We had so much fun interviewing you you and learning more about Do Well, Dress Well and everything that you've built. Um, So, yeah, thank you. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Yeah, thank you so much. It was a great time, really high energy, and we loved having you here. Thank you. We wanted to thank you so much for coming in. We had such a great time interviewing you for Floater Founder. And thank you so much to our listeners. We are so excited to share more founder stories with you. Until Until next time. time.